praise from the rising of the sun to the going down to the same. Let's give the Lord the praise he so richly and rightfully deserves. What a blessed privilege, what a blessed opportunity for us to be able to carry out the ordinance of baptism this morning. We have two lovely young ladies that we're going to baptize this morning. And so we're asking that if you all would uh, bear with us for a couple of minutes before we have our call to worship. Little Miss Ayana Palmer Gabriel. Let the church say amen. Ayana, how you doing? Do you still want to, do you still want to be baptized? Do you believe in God? You want to be a part of the St. Paul Church? All right. I'm glad family and friends of Sister Ayana. Would you please stand if you're in the house? Any family and friends of Ayana? Amen. Amen. Sister Nyla Howard. Sister Howard, do you want to be baptized this morning? All right. Do you believe in God? All right. Do you want to be a part of the St. Paul Church? All right. All right. Sister Nyla Howard, based upon your confession of faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I baptize you this morning in the name of the Father. Amen. I'm going to ask that Minister uh, Erica Minor will come and lead us in worship. Let me just say uh, as she comes that we are still uh, dealing with COVID. And I know that Mecklenburg County has, of course, lifted the mask mandate. 
But if you want to hang out here at St. Paul, I'm asking that you will keep your mask on. Amen. Let me say that again for Jesus. Keep your mask on. Amen. Let me say it one more time for the Holy Ghost. Keep your mask on above your nose and over your mouth. Uh, and this, and, and, and of course, uh, as we move forward, as far as worship is concerned, continue to adhere to what the ushers will ask for you to do, as well as our medical team and our uh, first impression ministry. Uh, they are acting under my authority and we want to keep you safe during this time of worship. Um, Minister Minor, we're in your hands. Amen. Amen. Let us give God praise. This morning, we had two babies give their life to Christ. We had two babies say, I accept the grace gift of salvation and give their lives over to the Lord. That is worthy of God's praise. St. Paul, this morning, maybe you don't know and maybe you haven't heard, but Isaiah 40 says that the Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary and his understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youth grow tired and weary and young men stumble and fall. But there's a but y'all, but those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles, will run and not grow weary, will walk in not faith. That is the God that we're here to worship today. That is the God that we're served. That is the God that has brought us thus far along the way. This morning you should be on your feet already and ready to stand with our choir and sing. Lift every voice and sing. Praise God.
This morning, our scripture reading will be coming from Revelation 14, verses 1 through 5. Revelation 14, 1 through 5. And as you're finding that in your Bibles, if you're worshiping with us online, please feel free to use the chat, whether you're on YouTube, Vimeo, or church website. Let us know where you're worshiping with us from. Say hello. We love to know who is sharing in this worship experience with us this morning. Revelation 14, 1 through 5 reads, Then I looked, and behold, a lamb standing on Mount Zion, and with him 144,000, having his father's name written on their foreheads. And I heard a voice from heaven, like the voice of many waters, and like the voice of loud thunder. And I heard the sound of harpists playing their harps. They sang as it were a new song before the throne, before the four living creatures and the elders. And no one could learn that song except the 144,000 who were redeemed from the earth. These are the ones who were not defiled with women, for they are virgins. These are the ones who follow the lamb wherever he goes. These were redeemed from among men, being first fruits to God and to the lamb. And in their mouth was found no deceit, for they are without fault before the throne of God. Amen. The word of God is blessed. Let us go at this time. Let us go to God in prayer. Good Lord, we, we thank you this morning. We thank you for another opportunity to gather in your name and lift up praises. God in whom we live, move, and have our being, our hearts are open for a unique experience with you today. This is a day we have never seen before and a chance to live for you in a new way. May this worship experience expand our expectations for life. Lord, allow the music to lift us, the prayers to propel us, the sermon to empower us, and most importantly, Lord, for your presence to ground us. We stand in need of grace to love you more. Lord, be pleased with our worship. We stand assured that you inhabit the praises of your people. We will lift our voices in praise and adoration of your name. Lord, have your way in this service. We do not want any of the honor and the glory. Lord, that is all for you this morning. We love you. In your mighty name we pray. Amen.
I believe we could do a little bit better than that. Thank you to our brothers for blessing us with the gift of song and reminding us really why we're here, and that is, of course, to celebrate and give God praise for his son, Jesus Christ. Good morning to all of those who are in our sanctuary as well as those who are joining us online. Let's give God the praise that God so richly and rightfully deserves. Before uh, I move forward um, with presenting to you all a candidate, candidates rather for baptism, uh, I want to ask, we have uh, a sister that is running for uh, justice of the North Carolina Supreme Court. If you're in the house, can, yeah, I see, come, come. Let's give God praise for her. And I'm going to ask if she would bring greetings. Uh, on behalf, and of course, introduce herself as far as our congregation is concerned. Good morning. Good morning. My name is Gail Adams, and I am running for the North Carolina Court of Appeals. I graduated from UNC Chapel Hill and from North Carolina Central University School of Law before joining the United States Navy as a JAG officer. I've worked as an assistant district attorney, as an assistant federal public defender, and I currently serve as a Superior Court Judge in Cumberland County. I want to stress, judges are important. From before you are born until after you die, judges affect decisions in your lives. Issues such as child custody. Issues such as who gets grandma's house. Issues like gerrymandered maps. Issues like voting rights. Judges are important. So that's why it's so important that you elect judges who are independent thinkers and fair. Independent and fair. Not governed by political parties, but deciding cases based upon the law and what is just and what is fair. I just want to say that in the book of Numbers, when the 12 spies went out and looked at the land that God had promised to them, they came back and they talked about the land is fortified. There are giants in the land. But we must be like Caleb who say, though their cities may be fortified and though they may look like giants, we are able to overcome and conquer and prevail no matter what it looks like. And so I say to you, don't look at what's going on on the other side. Just remember, if God is for us and we stand up and fight and do what we're supposed to do, we go to the polls, we vote, we get other people to vote, and we don't sit at home, we can prevail. And so I ask you, from the top of the ballot to the bottom of the ballot, look for your judges and vote. Thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here with you this morning. And, and Sister Adams, would you share when the election is, is going to take place for your primaries and things of that sort? Well, I'm hoping I won't have a primary because that means that I have Democratic opposition. But I am running against a Republican incumbent in November of 2022. So I need you. Amen. Thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to come and be with us. And um, I hope and pray that things will go well as far as your, your life and the Lord's will for your life. Come on, let's give 
Judge Adams another round of applause. As we move forward, I want to ask uh, our two new disciples who have been baptized into the family of God here at St. Paul, Ayana and uh, Nyla, would you come forward and let's give God praise as they come forward. Amen. Amen. First of all, let me say what a wonderful joy it is for me to have baptized the two of you all this morning. And let me say how proud I am of how you handled your baptism. Uh, you all were very great and very gracious, and I, I want to let you all know how, how proud I am of you. I know you all have been talking with Reverend C. Uh, and uh, Reverend C, of course, is our children and youth pastor, but I'm uh, your overall pastor, and it was a joy for me to baptize you. I want to give you two things today. I want to give you a certificate of baptism. And this certificate lets you know that you got a new birthday now, that whatever your earthly birthday is, this is your spiritual birthday, okay? So if you want to try to either uh, ask your parents or grandparents to do something for your second birthday, y'all lean on that, okay? All right, all right. The, the second thing I want to do is also present to you a Bible. And this Bible is in a way that you can read it. Um, the language is easy for you to understand. And if you have any questions, ask uh, either your parents or grandparents or someone older to explain it to you so that you're going to understand what it is that God will have for you to do. And I want you to get involved in the church. Uh, you are not the church of tomorrow. You're the church of today. Let me say that again. You're not the church of tomorrow. You're the church of today, and there's room and space for you here at St. Paul. So, to Nyla Howard, this is your certificate of baptism and your Bible, and here's the other thing, too, because we're going to help you to understand why you're doing what you're doing. You ain't ever got to do this again in your life, all right? Okay, and Ayana, here is your baptismal certificate and your Bible as well. And thank you all for being such a wonderful gift to us. St. Paul, can we celebrate our new sisters in the face? We could do a whole lot better than that. Amen. 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 All right. You may return to your seats and go be with your family. Amen. Amen. Let me just say that um, this is how the church grows. The church grows um, through people being baptized as far as the family of God is concerned, and we take wonderful joy in that. I want to just lift up a couple of announcements uh, before we move forward as far as the rest of our service is concerned. Um, first of all, um, I've been told that we have young men that are part of the youth basketball um, that we have here on Saturdays, and I'm going to ask if they are in the house if they would not mind standing so that we can just acknowledge them and give God praise for them. All of our, amen, wow. Wow, come on, we could do a whole lot better than that. Thank you all for taking time out of your schedule to be in our worship service, and we praise God for you. We hope you all are having a great time as far as youth basketball is concerned. And uh, thank you so much. 
Thank you so much for coming and being part of our worship experience. You may be seated. Amen. Let's give God praise for them. Today is also, today is also a Black Organization and the Divine Nine Sunday. And of course, we're certainly delighted for all of those who are part of various organizations that give uplift and service as far as our communities are concerned. So if you're in the house and you are part of a black organization and you're giving lift to our organization, would you please stand as well? Let's give God praise for all our black organizations from the Urban League, NAACP, SCLC, um, the Divine Nine. We thank God for you. And I want to, I want to, after service, I want to take a picture with uh, particularly all of our different organizations as well as our Divine Nine, if we can get that in uh, following this morning's worship experience. The Umba MLK celebration is going to be today at 5 o'clock at the Galilee Baptist Church. It was supposed to happen in January, but it was postponed. Just also want to let you all know that we got... Sunday morning live book pickup this Saturday. Um, uh, the drive-through book pickup, it would be from 10 to 1 p.m. Uh, and if you're not a member of a class but you want to learn more about our Sunday morning live, stop by for a brief introduction. Next week, we're going to wrap up Black History Month as far as our attire is concerned. So we're asking those that desire, you can come in your African attire on next Sunday. And this Wednesday, for Kaya, uh, it will return. We have a topic, a new, you, a, a new year, a new me. Join Kaya Charlotte along with a panelist consisting of a career coach, Ivy Ingram, personal trainer and nutrition specialist, Shayla Holder, and family medical practitioner, Dr. Nima. That's going to be this Wednesday at 7 o'clock here at the church. Um, still want to remind you all that we have COVID vaccinations that are taking place here at the church on Wednesdays from 10 to 5 p.m. in the gym. All three vaccines and boosters are available. So if you have not been vaccinated, we want to encourage you to get vaccinated. And I still want to stress that if you are sick, please stay home. Just assume you have COVID, go get tested, and then, of course, um, move about as, as you sense. Now, I do want to stress that Mecklenburg County has uh, lifted the mask mandate and um, trying to get back to some sense of, of normalcy. However, as you come to St. Paul, we're asking that if you would, please, ma'am, please, sir, we're keeping our mask on in the sanctuary, okay? We're going to do that. We're going to keep our mask on. Now, I know somebody's saying, well, I ain't got to do that if I go somewhere else. No, you don't, but if you come here, we're asking that you keep your mask on. Um, the, the, the virus is still out there. You can still spread it. You can still catch it. The mask is one of the best ways of preventing the spread of COVID. So please, ma'am, please, sir, work with our ushers, medical team, First Impression Ministry, uh, as they ask you to govern yourselves accordingly when you come into our sanctuary. Uh, at this time, I don't know if there's a video that is ready for March Gladness, but if you would, check out this video and see who we have coming next month, some of God's best preachers. Mm. 
witnesses who can say, God, I ain't got to have my name called. I don't need a shout out. I don't need a post on Facebook. I don't need them to tell nobody my name. My joy will be knowing that the Lord used me to help them start their business, to help them get their marriage together, to help their child get back on the right track, to help them fill their joy back up. God, just yet, any way you want to use me, any way you want to use me, God, use me. Need to let this light shine so that others will see our good works and glorify our Father who is in heaven. You see, people recognize who God is by looking at us. Just like Jesus walked the earth and gave evidence of a good God, a God who cared about people, a compassionate God, a loving and kind God. That's the kind of God they ought to see in us. When they see us coming, they may not want to deal with us, but they will be attracted to the goodness of God that is in us and shows through us and draws them to people who have not wanted to be your friend can't help it and tell one another the truth about your life because you don't know there might be somebody waiting to hear their story come out of your mouth and if he did it for you if he raised you if he saved you if he healed you if he anointed you if he picked you up if he turned you around if he placed your feet on solid ground if he forgave you and he's feeling you and he's using you then somebody needs to hear your story somebody came to church amen amen come on saint paul let's give god praise march gladness march 22nd through the 24th we got some of god's most gifted preachers and the sister that is preaching is going to be the next president of the Hampton University Ministers Conference, Dr. Cynthia Hale. We want you in the house. We want you in the house. And so we want to encourage you, tell your friends, family, and others, join us March 22nd through the 24th here at St. Paul's, 7 o'clock each night. Uh, we ain't going to keep you long. I'm going to get the preachers up. They're going to do their thing. We're going to have great church in person as well as online. And then we're going to proceed as far as worship, I mean, as far as the rest of the evening is concerned. So join us as far as that's concerned. As we prepare to go to the Lord in prayer, uh, there are several prayer concerns I want to lift up to you all. Uh, but even before I do that, let me just say, say this one thing. And I need for you all that are watching us online, as well as those that are in the house, um, I want to get this message out. And I know it's going to shock a lot of us. Okay, it, it's, it's getting ready to mess up a whole lot of us. Because uh, at times when, when I hear about it, it messes me up. Okay. All right. Uh, but I need you all to help me get this word out. That St. Paul church doors have been open. <laughs> y'all laughing. I'm serious. If, if you're watching us online, we in church, physically and virtually. Now, y'all wondering why I say that? And that's because I continue to run into people out in public who, when they see me, run up to me. And some of y'all have had this, too. They run up to me. You pastor Scott? Yes. Oh, I can't wait 
till the doors of the church are open. I can't wait to get back to St. Paul. I'm going like, really? He said, yeah, yeah, I've been missing church. I said, you certainly have. I said, you do know we've been open since August. And we did not shut down during the spike. And then that's when they look at me like a deer in headlights. I said, you know what this means, don't you? No, what? That means that you have not really been connected to us for a long, long time. And they walk away like the rich young ruler who Jesus said, go sell what you have, give to the poor, come and follow me. The church doors have been open. If you want to come and worship in physical public space, you're more than welcome. Just adhere to our protocol. So I need you all to tell your friends and your cousins and your loved ones that St. Paul has been and is open. Can y'all get that word out? All right. Okay. Come, come, uh, Reverend Minor, lead us in prayer. And as she comes, just want to let you all know that we want to lift up the family of Sister Kathy Lunn, the sister of disciple brother Robert Lunn. Uh, her services were, will be held on Thursday, February 24th at Weeping Willow Amy Zion Church uh, here in Charlotte. And, and I ask uh, that you would lift up uh, the family of a colleague of mine back in St. Louis, Bishop Courtney Jones, um, got word yesterday, 59-year-old brother, and he and I, we did a lot of social justice work together in St. Louis, uh, died yesterday of a heart attack. Um, and his church, his wife and daughter, they're dealing with a lot. So if you could keep them lifted up in prayer. And we also want to lift up uh, Magdalene Jackson, Antonio Kendall, Mackenzie Litton, Tanya Porter, Reverend Grace Ridgway, Doris Somerville, and of course our pastor emeritus and his wife, Reverend Dr. Paul Drummond and Lady Thomasina. Let's continue to lift them up in prayer. If you would... Um, uh, Minister Erica, take us to the throne of grace. Lord, we are grateful for you. Lord, we are grateful for all that you do, and we are most grateful because you hear our prayers. Lord, you hear when we cry. You hear when we complain. You hear when we are fed up and frustrated of the things that are occurring in our lives and the things occurring to our loved ones. But God, we trust and we know that you care. Lord, we thank you for watching out over us and for moving in situations when we feel that we have no control, when we feel that there's nothing else that we can do on our end. We know, Lord, that you are all powerful and all knowing and that you can make a way out of no way, Lord. We know that you are still in the business of healing. We know that you are still in the business of providing. Lord, we know that you are still in the business of protecting us and guiding us and leading us and healing us when the doctors say there is no cure, when the doctors say there is no relief for our pain, when the doctors say go ahead and make preparations for your loved one because they're not coming home, Lord. You have a way of changing situations and making things all right. And Lord, we call out to you today and ask you to just make way 
We want things to be better. We want our loved ones to have another day. We want to see another day of breath in our own lungs so that we can continue to love and carry on in your will. Lord, we know that it's all about your will and what you want. But Lord, we want to cry out to you today and just ask for additional mercies, to ask for additional grace. Because Lord, we know that you love us and you care for us even when we don't deserve anything extra. Lord, we ask that for those names that have been called out both locally and far away from us, Lord, that you comfort those families, that you comfort those that have experienced loss, that those who have gotten bad news about disease in their body, those that are currently sitting in a hospital bed not knowing what the next day holds for them. Lord, we ask that you just reach out and embrace them in your loving arms. Lord, touch us and help us to be the brothers and sisters that they need right now. Lord, we don't always know what to do. We don't always know what to say. We don't always know how to reach out and tell our brother and sister that I'm here for you. Lord, help us be creative. Help us take initiative. Help us be you right now. Help us act in the way that you would have us to act, the way that Jesus showed us how to act so that our brothers and sisters know that we care also, that we love them, that we have not forgotten about them even when we don't see their face on Sunday, that we remember them throughout the week and that we want them to be better. Lord, help us be who you want us to be, Lord. Lord, we, we ask that each of the names that have been called and even those that we don't know right now that may be ailing in their bodies, those that may be suffering from depression and those that just don't know what's wrong with them yet, but they are not feeling good. We ask that we ask a special blessing on them, Lord. Touch them and give them strength and encouragement. Ask them, touch them, Lord. Just touch them. That's what we ask, Lord, that you touch them so that they know that you are still here for them and that you are still moving in their situations, Lord. Lord, we love you because we know that you are able to do all things. Lord, we love you because we know that you loved us first. Lord, we know that you are still able to do what we cannot do and that nothing is in our control and that we need you in all things. Lord, we love you and we thank you and we count it all done in your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Come on, let's give the Lord praise if we believe our prayers are being answered. Amen. Amen. As we prepare to move forward, we want to ask that you will prepare your offering at this particular time. And there are several ways you can give here at the St. Paul Church. One of the first ways you can give is by mailing your check or cash to the church. And you can mail it to 1401 Allen Street, Charlotte, 28205. Or you can drop off your check, cash, or money order here at the church during the week. Just call the church at 704-334-5309 to make sure someone is here to receive your offering. The second way you can give is through the app called uh, Givelify. And then another way you can give is through our church website, Church Life or ACS. For those that have a physical offering that is in, that is in the sanctuary at this time, at the appropriate time, there's a basket in front of you on the, the row in front of you where you can place your offering in that basket. You don't have to touch it, but you can place your offering in that basket and our ushers and count team will receive it. So however you're giving this one, if you would take your offering 
And if you would, if you're able, put it in your right hand. Let's lift it toward the heaven. Let's give God thanks for it. God, we come and we thank you for the wonderful privilege to partner with you in kingdom building. And God, we pray right now that you would take these gifts, our offering, multiply them in a Godfold way. For those that are practicing the discipline of tithing, bless them according to your word. For those who may not, but are trying to do something, God, enrich and increase their faith. And then, God, for those who feel like they don't have to give anything, Lord, we pray that you will convict them that they can't beat you given no matter how hard they try. Now, Lord, use these gifts for the spreading and the edifying of your kingdom. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. For those who have a physical offering, if you will, place it on the row in front of you as far as the basket is concerned. And God bless you. Thank you all so much.
We celebrate our brothers and give God praise for their gift of song. Thank you, brothers, for lending your time and energy and effort and lifting up the name of Jesus. And we know his yoke is easy and his burden is light. Um, I solicit your prayers again as we move forward. As I work my way for Black History Month through... Uh, the 1619 Project, as I've entitled this series of sermons, The Scriptures and the 1619 Project. And over the last few Sundays, of course, we've been taking the big themes in that book and have been working through it uh, scripturally and exegetically to give lift as far as encouragement for those who know who you are despite of our ancestors being enslaved in this country. And as we continue to work our way forward, I believe on the first Sunday, I preached about the theme of progress, where I talked about we are not there yet. And when we dealt with that particular theme, it was to remind us that we've come a long way. But hallelujah, we still got a long way to go. Still got a long way to go. And then last week, we dealt with the theme of fear, of fear, particularly talking about white fear, how white people are afraid that they're getting ready to become the minority and they're going to lose something. And I preached on last week, as far as white fear is concerned, from the book of Exodus, chapter 1, verse 8 through 14, and talked about how when fear brings out the worst in you. Today, I'm taking a very difficult passage of Scripture. 
probably one of the most difficult and horrific pieces in the Bible. And I pray that the Lord would give me utterance and unction to deal with it justly. Because as I read this particular text, if you have not read it thoroughly, it can shock you. So I want to call your attention to Psalm 137. Psalm 137. Psalm 137, the entirety of that psalm reads like this from the New King James Version of Scripture. It says, by the rivers of Babylon, there we sat down, yea, we wept. When we remembered Zion, we hung our harps upon the willows in the midst of it. For there are those who carried us away captive, ask of us a song. And those who plundered us requested mirth. That word mirth basically means joy or happiness. Saying, sing us one of the songs of Zion. How shall we sing the Lord's song in a foreign land? If I forget you, O Jerusalem, let my right hand forget its skill or cunning. If I do not remember you, let my tongue cleave to the roof of my mouth. If I do not exalt Jerusalem above my chief joy. Remember, O Lord, against the sons of Edom, the day of Jerusalem, who said, raise it, raise it to its very foundation. O daughter of Babylon, who are to be destroyed? Happy the one who repays you as you have served us. Happy the one who takes and dashes your little ones against the rocks. Ain't no shouting on that, huh? I want to preach for the time that is mine as the Holy Spirit gives me utterance, particularly focusing on verse 4 where it says, How shall we sing the Lord's song in a foreign or a strange land? I want to talk about request denied. We're focusing on music today, and I want to deal with request denied. Psalm 137 has a whole lot of us quiet right now. It is not an uplifting or encouraging song that inspires our souls in times of desperation. As one who loves to read the Psalms, I have to admit that if you read the book of the Psalms, and there are five books in Psalms, five books in Psalms, uh, and as you go through each one of those books, you will soon discover that the majority of the Psalms are not happy songs. Uh, most of the Psalms are dealing with tough times and troubling circumstances and tumultuous moments whereby the writer is confronting a life or death situation. I like to read the Psalms because of its sheer earth and gut reality that deals with the grit and grime, misery and messiness of everyday living with others and dealing with yourself. This particular Psalm, Psalm 137, lifts up the pathos or pain of being connected to the God of the cosmos and yet struggling with hurt, oppression and evil both naturally and supernaturally. It's a tough psalm 
is a tough word of music. It deals with the exiles from Jerusalem who were taken into Babylonian captive, captivity as punishment by God for their idolatry and injustice with each other. They, they were taken from their homeland to the cities of Babylon to engage in some form of slavery because they are now prisoners of war. Psalm 137 is tough. It is one of the most gut-wrenching, heartbreaking, soul-crushing songs in all of Scripture. It gives us the insight, though, into the psyche of the exiles who have been stripped of their identity, snatched from their homeland and sentenced to the cultural appropriations of the Babylonians. Nebuchadnezzar was this emperor who left a trail of destruction, especially in the kingdom of Judah, whose capital was Jerusalem. Nebuchadnezzar is on the throne. This exile lifts up some people that we may know of, particularly like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and the prophet Daniel, who were grafted into the governmental systems of Babylon. As a matter of fact, Daniel was really one of the vice presidents of its regents. This psalm is written for the time because the writer was incensed about how things went down. And I must admit how difficult it has been for me to shape a sermon around such a painful and horrific song. I saw the expressions on your face through your mask. I heard the gasp as I read those last two verses. And nevertheless, I'm appreciative about how the Bible does not always paint a pretty picture all the time about the people and its day. So let's be honest. There are sometimes I don't feel like praising God on demand. There are sometimes when it seems like it is spiritually impossible to give God praise because of the living conditions in which you find yourself. Psalm 137 made the Bible precisely for this reason. Psalm 137 is the agonizing honesty of God's people suffering at the hands of a nation more evil than they. I am amazed how this psalm made it into the Hebrew scripture to be read, sung, preached, taught, and even meditated upon for spiritual discipline and discovery. As your pastor, I have a high view of Scripture. I take the Bible seriously. And yet, even as I take the Bible seriously, uh, because of my uh, skills and because of my uh, learning, I know how to properly exegete and apply Scripture. I would be crazy to tell you to go out, find some babies, and throw them up against the rock. Because that is not what the text is all about. So if you would, give me the opportunity to properly dissect and exegete this text and give it the justice it deserves. Because I promise that if you walk with me for a moment, I'll help you to appreciate what Psalm 137 is all about. Okay. This psalm is one of honesty, anger, and agency, as the exiles were demanded 
to sing a song of their homeland. They were demanded to sing this song by the very people who were oppressing them, and they refused to sing. They rejected the demand. They denied the request. When the demand was made upon them to sing the song, they raised a rhetorical question, how shall we sing the Lord's song in a foreign land? The exiles were saying in so many words, you have made us prisoners of war. You've destroyed our homeland. You've demolished our holy city and political capital. You have desecrated the place where we worship our God and gave our offering. And now you want us to perform for you? Now you want us to give you a praise song on demand? Now you want us to put on a minstrel show for you? How? Can we sing the Lord's song in a place of oppression, depression, and repression? How can we sing the Lord's song in a moment of exile, captivity, and separation from our homeland? How can we sing the Lord's song when we are clueless about freedom, righteousness, and justice coming forth in our lifetime? How can we sing the Lord's song when it comes to the songs of Zion and we ain't in Zion anymore? This particular psalm is what is called an imprecatory psalm. I-M-P-R-E-C-A-T-O-R. An imprecatory psalm contains curses against one's enemy. An imprecatory psalm is filled with the desire to have evil to come upon your enemy as a form of judgment and vengeance. This imprecatory psalm is basically telling God, sick them. Get them, kill them, pay them back for all the hell they have brought my way. And if you exegete some of the songs in the African-American genre, like the spirituals, the blues or hip hop, there's some imprecations in some of those songs that seek revenge as well. Uh, Be it in a love relationship that has gone sour. Or oppressive systems or institutions of society that have wreaked havoc on black life in America. Amazingly, what the exiles lamented about in 587 BC is the same thing that our enslaved ancestors confronted when they were brought to these shores in 1619. From the days of slavery through the Civil War, as they bypassed Reconstruction to the Civil Rights era and to our current times, It has been our music that has empowered us to push through vicious storms and overcome tremendous stress and press beyond the challenges that should have killed us or at least driven us crazy. In fact, when you look at the various musical genres of Americana, you got to admit it has been black music that has impacted every strand and strain of harmonious tone and tune of treble and bass clefts sharp and flat accidentals, and major and minor keys. When it comes to music in America, black music in particular, in his essay on music in the 1619 Project, Wesley Morris writes so poignantly how white Americans' principal hunger was second-handed blackness. 
second-hand blackness. This is how white musicians have taken our music and claimed it as theirs. Uh, Paul Whiteman did this with jazz in the 20s. Elvis Presley did it with rock and roll. The Beastie Boys did it with rap. And the BGs and Tina Marie did it with rhythm and blues. As Morris states, this is really what they were saying. Pass the culture, hold the people. Can I do a little teaching for a moment? When you really understand and appreciate the genius of black music and how it was forged and framed, particularly as it began its apex in the late 40s through the 80s, uh, there was a place in Detroit, Michigan, by the name of Motown that had a lot to do with this. And Wesley reminds us how at Motown they bounced and lilted in the defiance of the violence black Americans face, the heaviness that so many carry. Those songs and the way the company stars performed were declarations of war against the insults of the past and the present. End of quote. I want you to understand how these stars, particularly those that were connected with Motown, those singers or performers, and even now rappers, they are descendants of enslaved workers, descendants of men and women who made their music as they worked from sunup to sundown. When our enslaved ancestors came to these shores, they were able to drum out on their bodies and make a banjo out of sticks and strings. Y'all did know the banjo was a instrument of West Africa. Uh, this was part of our people's cultural DNA, which enabled them to create the infusion of beatbox into hip hop, thereby transforming their bodies into musical instruments which sound like whistles, turntables, scratch records, and drums with a syncopated funky beat that makes you want to dance and holler. Yet, most African American music traces its roots back to the religious genre known as the spirituals. Sometimes the songs were created under the duress uh, demanded by overseers who distrusted the silence of the field worker or who perhaps could not bear the unnatural sounds of enslavement and required a sweetener. Frederick Douglass said, and I quote, a silent slave is not liked by masters or overseers, end of quote. Those spirituals were the song of the enslaved, which was framed in the language of either deliverance or defiance. And so within the framework of the African-American music experience, the spirituals are psychic moving songs that, that have impact upon our being and upon our words and upon our music. Because the spirituals were born out of moments of suffering and oppression where only a song was able to convey the feelings and frustrations of being black in America. Black liberation uh, theologian, the late Dr. James Hale Cone wrote in his book entitled The Spirituals and the Blues in which he deals with how black folks were able to translate their problems and pains into songs. And those songs had the capacity to encourage, enrich, and enrapture their souls and give them hope in a world that was going to hell in a handbasket. 
interestingly, we must understand that the spirituals and yes, even the blues are cut from the same musical cloth because blues really has its roots in the spirituals. And spirituals are a form of religious music. And so our male chorus lifted up a spiritual earlier. And when you hear the spirituals being sung in the church, or if you're listening to the blues as far as Spotify is concerned, while you lift your brandy or your cognac, some people thought that black folks were either trying to drown their sorrows in liquor or escape their reality by shouting in the church. So when you listen to the singing of the blues or the spirituals, you can see how those lyrics reflected black problems and pathos of being a Negro in America. In fact, Dr. Cone contends that the spirituals did not provide some escapist solution, but cast a vision for a place a whole lot better than what we're dealing with right now. Therefore, when we had the hymn choir that used to sing before the sermon, when we had the hymn choir that used to do their thing before we got out of church because of COVID, we would go in because those songs they lifted up, those old hymns did something to our soul that some music today can't do. Because they were not singing for entertainment, they were singing for spiritual enhancement. The one thing we got to appreciate about our music is its capacity to create a stirring in our soul. But our music was born out of pain, oppression, frustration, obstacles, limitations, restrictions, problems, perplexities, complexities, and complications that have messed us up since we've been on these shores. But the stuff that should have killed us, wiped us out, or at least driven us crazy has not because somewhere within the chasm of our bosom, we were able to produce a song that gave us sweet relief. Somehow music came out of our misery. A song came out of our insanity. Composition came out of our catastrophe. Harmony came out of our horror. A tune came out of our trouble. And melody came out of our misfortunes. Therefore, for the African-American, the lines are blurred between the sacred and the secular. Notice I said blurred between the sacred and the secular, not the sacred and the profane. There is a difference between the sacred and the secular and the sacred and the profane. And we were able to do this with spirituals, the blues, jazz, gospel, inspirational soul, R&B, and hip-hop. Think about it. From the cotton fields, rice fields, sugarcane fields, and tobacco fields, our enslaved ancestors were charting rhythms and beats that would influence and become the soundtrack for the civil rights movement and influence culture all over the world. You think about these creators and visionaries and innovators and cultural influences who have had impact on everything from music to dress to hairstyle and to language. Can I call some names just for a moment? Think about these folks. Aretha Franklin, B.B. King, James Brown, Etta James, Quincy Jones, 
Jimi Hendrix, Ethel Waters, Gladys Knights and the Pips, Dionne Warwick, Nina Simone, Sly and the Family Stone, Stevie Wonder, Curtis Mayfield, Teddy Pendergrass, George Clinton, Herbie Hancock, Louis Armstrong, Dizzy Gillespie, Cab Calloway, Donna Hathaway, George Benson, the Isley Brothers, the Funkadelic, Charlie Pride, Patti LaBelle, Shaka Khan, Al Green, Nish, Nick Ashford, Valerie Simpson, Buddy Guy, Lionel Richie, Al Jer Bill Withers, Michael Jackson, Natalie Cole, Donna Summers, Phyllis Hyman, Stanley Clark, George Duke, Maze featuring Frankie Beverly, Prince, Grandmaster Flash, and the Furious Five, Curtis Blow, Full Force, Shirley Caesar, Luther Vandross, Stephanie Mills, Andre Crouch, Jennifer Hudson, Jennifer Holiday, Peebo Bryson, Anita Baker, Eric B. and Rakeem, LL Cool J, Jimmy James, and Terry Lewis, Janet Jackson, the Clark Sisters, MC Light, Whitney Hughes, Houston, Teddy Riley, NWA, Queen Latifah, Mary J. Blige, Kirk Franklin, A Tribe Called Quest, The Roots, D'Angelo, Erica Badu, Jay-Z, Beyonce, Jill Scott, Kendrick Lamar, Dr. Dre, Ice Cube, Snoop Doggy Dog, John Legend, Anderson Park, Future, Sierra, Megan Thee Stallion, Lil Baby, Da Baby, SZA, Lizzo, and Childish Gambino, just to name a few. Can I preach this thing the way that I feel it? See, they love to dance to our music and they love to bop to our music. They like our music, but they can't handle our misery. They prefer our songs, but they can't deal with our sorrow. They drip in our culture, but we're drowning our calamities. They dance to our tune, but we'll die from our troubles. They steal our musical beats, but we'll lose it under our miserable bruises. And yet, God, I feel like preaching. The oppressors required a song from our enslaved ancestors. These oppressors wanted singing and swaying from the prison chain gang. That's the sound of the chain. They, 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 they wanted our voices to entertain them, but they didn't want our presence around them. I think the exiles can help us to wrestle when people who oppress us demand something from us that sound rather ludicrous. What, what does Psalm 137 share about denying certain requests? Let me walk through this real quick and I'll be done. That when you look at verses 1 through 4, the psalmist will help us understand, first of all, reclaim your personal agency. What is meant by that? This psalm deals with the sorrow of being in exile. Babylonian were running things at the time. Nebuchadnezzar is on the throne. The Jews were taking prisoners of war. They had no saying in their living arrangements and their existential conditions. Their tears were the meat of their night. They were thinking about their homeland, Jerusalem. Now the Jews were known for their music. But now they're not playing any instrument. Now they're not singing any happy songs. There's no reason. They are mired in the grip of captivity. No guitar strings are being played. And yet, the oppressor wants to hear a song. And it is with mocking derision that these tormentors, these captors, make their demand. These captors reminded them that they're not in Zion anymore. Therefore, the psalmist is feeling the pain. The Babylonians did not realize, though, that the songs of Zion were not just for a place, but for a person named Yahweh. 
The Jews did not sing because they were defeated. And in the ancient world, when one nation conquered another nation, the victor's God was considered to be more powerful. So the destruction of Jerusalem and its temple was a signal that the Babylonians had a more superior God. The ancients believed the reason why the Jews weren't playing or singing is because the Jews felt like Yahweh had been defeated by the Babylonian God Marduk. But regardless of how they were feeling, the Jews retorted, how can we sing? How are we going to sing the Lord's song in a strange land? St. Paul, can I tell you, this is where the whole psalm is turned upside down on his head. Because the Jews in that moment reclaimed their personal agency. The Jews said, you might have done some things to us uh, that we could not help. You might have done some things to us that we don't want to do. And you might have us in a place where we don't want to be. But we will not give in to your request to sing. <laughs> we, we, we might be in exile, but we're still God's people. And when we sing, it will not be on demand, but we will sing for the glory and the honor of God. That when we sing, it will not be for your amusement or your entertainment. We're going to hang our harps on the willow tree and we will refuse to sing, not as a sign of being hopeless, but as a sign of resistance. We're going to reclaim something in this land of exile. Oh God, can I preach this thing the way that I feel it? They were reclaiming their personal agency. And I want to let y'all know that our enslaved ancestors were able to do the same thing as well. That when the overseer wanted a song in the field, our enslaved ancestors sung spirituals, watch this, as a signal to let other enslaved persons know how it was going to go down when the night came down. They, they were giving those spirituals as signals to let them know, meet us by the river, or meet us at the brush harbor.